She is one of IndieWire's 25 filmmakers to know in 2019, and her work has been featured in Filmmaker Magazine, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, just to name a few. Her film, Trade Balls, premiered at, the, premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival last year and won special jury mention for lead performance. And you can check it out now on VOD this Friday. Please welcome Sanjui Sinha. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed watching your film. Weirdly enough, I have a lot of questions, so thank you for coming on. Of course, happy to chat. So I wanted to first kind of ask, uh, just because with this year being so crazy, obviously Tribeca was indefinitely postponed, but you were able to experience Tribeca last year and not only experience it, but but succeed, push through it and, and win awards. Uh, what was it like? as an experience for a filmmaker going into Tribeca last year? Sure. Well, you know, Tribeca has been a huge supporter of um, of my writing, of my earlier films. So it it really just felt like coming back home at Tribeca. Um, I ha- have received now probably three to four grants, development grants from Tribeca. I've done several of their programs. I won their IWC award, which uh, Chloe Zhao won the year before me. Um, So it really was uh, an incredibly supportive festival. They were so excited for Stray Dolls. They accepted us, you know, just way early. Um, And everything was set for a lot of support that the film received. It was also, I'm based in New York, so it was my home city. Um, We knew we could pack all the theaters and have a supportive audience. So it was really an exciting place to premiere. And um, we loved that experience there. We won a a grand jury mention for performance, for Gitanjali Thapa's performance. Um, And yeah, it was just, it was a dream to premiere there. We found our distributors as well right after. but yeah, we had a great experience at Tribeca. You know, you actually gave me a perfect setup into the next question because with winning Best Actress with a strong performance from Jean Tanjuli Thapa, uh, what was the energy like with her on set? What do you attribute uh, her incredible performance to with this? She is incredible. You know, I had seen a film called Liar's Dice, which uh, premiered at Sundance and then I believe Cannes. Um, and I had seen her years ago, but her performance had just stuck with me. And our casting was um, really laborious and, and long for the lead for Stray Dolls. We started with casting in, you know, looking at a lot of Indian Americans for the role and then I knew deep down that to stay authentic to the character, we should really bring somebody directly from Bombay or directly from India, the way that the character was written. So our casting search quickly became global. And, you know, on an independent film budget, that's that's really risky to do because you have to secure visas and O-1 visas, uh, which are really special visas. And you have to do this on this very expedited timeline. So, so we started casting casting in Bombay, and I was reaching out to several directors in Bombay. Uh, one of them is Anurag Kashyap, who's had several films at Cannes, um, who's a good friend. And so he directly connected me to Gitanjali Thapa because I was asking about her, and uh, she loved the script, wanted to do it. And then we began the whole O-1 visa process, which is 
um, really quite arduous. Um, but thankfully, we got the visa approved. I think it was I think it was like three days leading up to the shoot, and we were able to bring her over. But I think that decision was, while it was fraught with you know uncertainty, I think it was important to remain authentic to the story and to the character. And Yutanjali just brought so much grit. And, um, you know, she brought so much of herself to the role. um, And she really shines as someone really unique and really different. And yeah, she's a breakthrough. So I'm really glad we went through all of that. (laughs) Oh, my God. And uh, for people that don't know, like, I'm hearing you tell me this. And and I know a little bit. I I know basically nothing when it comes to getting it into and submitted to a festival and how long that takes. and, And just like... I, I know the pressure of just independent films and the time frame that you're saying to throw in a government timeline and having to work with the government as well to deal with you getting like for people that don't understand how long did it take for this to shoot completely from the time that you guys got everything together you were ready to say action from start to finish this isn't like yeah. Avengers Endgame where it's going to take no. a few months you guys have to do it really quickly everything is so quick when it comes to independent film right right so we had six weeks of prep and And then that led into 22 days of shoot days, 22 shoot days, which were which were all six day shoots with one day off. So it was a pretty tight timeline. And I think we you know, I wanted to prioritize getting as much time with my actors as possible. I think sometimes in Indies, you don't even get 19 days, but I wanted to make sure we, we stretched to 22, which is which is great, but, you know, we had to do that based on not having a weekend, not having two days off, shooting 12-hour days. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty... Uh, non-stop once we got started. I really appreciated the locations that you were filming, mainly at at that motel. Was that an on-location place that you guys had to kind of rent out for a little bit? You guys shot it beautifully. The cinematography in this is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's Shane Siegler. He's incredible. But yeah, in terms of locations, the motel was a really hard place to get. A little bit like Gitanjali's story, we were looking for motels all over the East Coast. We were looking in Long Island City, New Jersey, upstate New York um, and a lot of motels because there's so much crime there it's like a, a hotbed for true crime they don't want shoots there because then you can like sort of get footage of the real crimes going on there so a lot of active motels didn't want us to shoot there we had maybe gone through 50 motels and we couldn't find one and then finally we found this motel where we shot it in Poughkeepsie and it was a foreclosed motel it had foreclosed um, I think three months before we started shooting there because of two gun shootings there so two people were shot there. I don't think they died. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> and so because they were shot there, the motel was closed. It was in foreclosure, and the bank was about to, like, resell it. And yeah. the, it was in this weird limbo process, and we were able to get that. Uh, we were able to just rent the whole place. And, you know, Bravo. We tried to, Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> and we tried that to is- clean it as best as possible but there were still like some <laughs> some doors that had like blood on it it was really kind of a i mean for some of the movie i know too. i know what happens in this film i, I there's some places where you can be like just leave the stuff where it is it looks pretty okay for we got prop design now <laughs> exactly. especially with the one character that they i don't want to get into too much spoilers since it's going to be out on friday uh, but with with a certain uh development that happens where they have to work to clean an area 
I can see how that would be like, oh crap, we've already got some stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was really once we had found it, we knew that so much of the work, so much of the story was already there. We just had to sort of accentuate it as best as possible. But yeah, it was it was quite a wrangle to get that motel in the first place. So I, I do have a question that I've wanted to ask, but you know, to me is I also sound really dumb by asking it too. A lot of these questions I think I sound more intelligent than when they come out actually sounding uh, but that is the, great. Film, the, the film to me kind of sound it, it talks about the american dream but it does shift it in a lot of ways like uh in, in a particular scene where riz is walking into the main hotel lobby and you overhear a certain political figure that is now kind of destroying a lot of stuff going through his talking points and i i started realizing that there's kind of a dichotomy between dallas and riz's character between what we expect from the media and how we see the immigrant story versus really what's happening in real life. Like in this story, I would not say that Riz is uh, the person that is instigating anything that's that's breaking the law. That all comes from a character that's born and raised in the U.S. I just kind of wanted to ask your take on the American dream because I know that it does talk about that a little bit. What, what do you think about that? Sure. So, you know, as... As I was developing the script, I was sort of aware of all the other films, all the other films that sort of tackle immigrant immigrant characters or immigrant stories. I'd seen a lot of them, you know, like Maria Fuller Grace and Sinombre, and these are incredibly well-made films, but I was starting to see a pattern. I, I felt like all the immigrant stories or films that we had seen thus far focused on the, the survival part and fo- focused on the immigrant's dream to come to America, but but the film is preoccupied with this idea of survival. I so, mm-hmm. sort of wanted to, in making Stray Dolls and wanting to make Stray Dolls, I wanted to expand that conversation to, well, what what does it actually mean? What is the American dream? What does it mean? How is it flawed? And how is it setting up not only just immigrants? to fail, but also Americans who are outsiders up to fail? So in in That's so cool. I wanted to sort of. Yeah, I wanted to create a new conversation around these issues that are so palpable in our daily lives and they affect all of us, but I think we haven't seen the other side of it. Outsiders in America, whether you are white or an immigrant or a person of color, um, if you're if you're an outsider, even so- socioeconomically, um, I think you're set up to fail. And so that's why I wanted to create a character like Riz, but also a character like Dallas, who's this all-American runaway from the South. And they're both sort of on this this equal seesaw. They're both outsiders and pretty disadvantaged at that. So yeah, so I wanted to create new areas of conversation, but around the same themes and sort of show something really new and different that we hadn't seen before or hadn't considered before. Um, also, Riz is not preoccupied with just survival. There is there is her sexuality and there is there are the, these other colorful aspects about her and about Dallas as well that... Um, that take up screen time and we are allowed to experience and sort of think about along with their sort of disadvantaged um, and challenged uh, decision making that they do. That's perfect. I, yeah, I was thinking while I was watching mainly mo- most of uh, those parts, just like this is, this is different from what we see normally. And, and it's so refreshing to actually have a fully rounded character in 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 these different aspects and you did a great job of that 
And um, thank you for well, saying that because uh, another thing that I, I felt I had seen a lot was this really sympathetic immigrant character on screen. And I think the media wants us to believe, you know, these extremes, like either they're like barely surviving and really sympathetic or they're complete criminals. There's really nothing in the middle that makes them complex, that makes them human. And I really wanted to sort of play in the middle in that gray area where we see all the layers of what makes this person human. And she just happens to be an immigrant well with writing that character what were some like the biggest or i guess with any of the characters because a lot of them are really rich with with what they have and and kind of like their their quirks and stuff i was gonna have this be its own question itself or just a statement but i think robert aramayo is a spitting image of a young quentin tarantino and like just his like character dynamic in it i i it was really funny to see <laughs> it's like it looks just like quentin tarantino but what, when it came to writing these characters what were some of the more challenging parts. Actually, I wanted to make a film about different kinds of outsiders in America. And I think back to what you were saying about Riz feeling really complex, I think the challenge was really creating these outsiders that feel really complex and really whole, even though they're sort of on the same plane as outsiders. Una is also the motel owner. She's also an immigrant, but she's a different kind of immigrant. She came when she was four or five. So at this point in her middle age, like she has more opportunities than Riz. She has a motel. She has more a sort of economic, um, she has an ep- economic upper hand, but yet she also is a Trumpian figure because she believes, you know, immigrants should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. She did it herself. And so why should she give Riz a break? So I wanted to sort of play with these really morally questionable um, aspects in, in all of the characters. And then of course, Rob Aramaya's character, Jimmy, um, he's, you know, a typical teenager even though he's a typical teenager trying to rebel and trying to you know push boundaries and defy his mother and not follow in his mother's footsteps so there's these universalities on top of what makes them really different and really complex. I remember reading that you had gotten your start as a film editor at Final Cut. Um, now helming your own feature, do you think that starting out as a video editor kind of gave you more of a natural progression into directing? What Was it kind of hard, like working with somebody editing? Was it like, I want to take the control and work on it right now? Because I know being an editor myself, sometimes it's a hard to give your baby to someone and have them work on it. How is it working with an editor and and how is that natural progression? That's a great question. I feel like editors, people usually don't ask the editing question, which I remember as an editor. Um, but, <laughs> but I do think, I mean, editing teaches you storytelling and I was an editor for 10 years and as I was editing documentaries where you're basically discovering the story arc and the character arc while you're editing on your, on your Avid, um, I think it really teaches you script writing. It really teaches you structure, act one to two to three, and how do you captivate an audience throughout. So I really found that my fundamentals are cemented in the craft of editing, uh, my, my storytelling, my fundamentals of storytelling. But I loved collaborating with my editor. His name is J.D. Smythe. He's incredible. We were at Final Cut together as editors, as colleagues. And then, you know, he thankfully wanted to do the film. But we had a great collaboration because once I'm done directing, I feel so spent emotionally, physically, psychologically, <laughs> that, yeah. that it was actually so nice to just hand off the drive um, to somebody else who can sort of who comes to it with a clean slate and who can find new opportunities and new you know 
new, find new things that I wouldn't even that I wouldn't even think of. And just because my mind is at a point of such exhaustion by that point, it's just a really refreshing collaboration to have. And I'm the type of person who's never happy and I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist so I'm really I'm really hard on myself which I, it's a it's a work in progress I, I try not to be but it's nice that it's nice to collaborate with somebody who's like no 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 we can save the scene and you know um has oh. ideas to do so um so and JD is one of those and he's yeah so it was a great collaboration and I really enjoyed the editing process a longtime partner it seems that's that's awesome was Fleetwood Mac always the uh, the band of choice to drop kind of parallels between like the dysfunction and chaos in the story because that artist very specifically has a lot of like friction between each other and they're always cheating on the on the other they're always doing whatever and there's there's chaos in that band itself was there any comparisons that you were intentionally putting in or unintentionally yeah that was that was exactly it i mean they're so american and you know their their music is almost this uh, nostalgic americana music that at least transports me every time i listen to it but when you look under the surface so much antagonism happened between them and, and they were at such war. So, yeah, I think that the metaphor is perfect that, you know, it's when you look under the American dream, there's so much conflict and, and things don't appear to be what they seem from the outside. And and that's kind of the story of Stray Dolls. So it, it was actually the perfect parallel. And thankfully, we were able to get some of those songs. That's our, what I was thinking. Very... was like, wow, they've got a budget. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it was... Anytime it was you hear nice a song that's like, that's, that's, that's a name I know. <laughs> I know. And we had a very small budget, but we were able to afford like a couple of those uh, Fleetwood Mac songs, which are incredible and became anthemic for the film, really. It really is one of the films to... Like, nowadays, especially nowadays, nothing is in theaters, of course. This is on VOD, coming out on Friday. And I, I, the, I guess my final question, if you don't mind, is just with the times that we're in now, I think this film lends more importance to certain aspects than maybe it didn't a month or two ago. If you could give someone like a pitch to, to go see this on Friday, what would you say? Go see Stray Dolls for these, you know, two incredible characters, Riz and Dallas. Go on a ride with them. It's one of those films that lets you go on a ride, but at the same time, if you want to, stop and talk about it and and think about it. it it lets you do that as well with your families that you know you're now quarantined with and yeah it's it's a film for our times but also for the future and hopefully we can look back at this film years from now and still take away something that's resonant sanjui thank you so much again for coming on where can the people find you if you're on twitter i am i am on social media i'm everywhere i'm facebook on instagram twitter um yeah reach out tell me what you think i'd love to hear from audiences awesome again thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it Thank you so much. It was such great, insightful questions. Thank you.